Would you pray with me? And now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, March is over, but the madness is not, especially for basketball fans, right? Tomorrow night is the men's NCAA basketball championship between San Diego and Yukon. And for some of you, your brackets were blown long ago. There were a lot of upsets this season that took people by surprise, but that's the beauty of the, the tournament each year, right? Now, some of you have low to zero expectations about tomorrow night's game. Some of you have low to zero cares about tomorrow night's game or any game at all. But true fans, when this tournament season began a few weeks ago, had some expectations. And maybe if you dig deep, you can remember those feelings of hope for your team, for possibilities this year. The feeling that San Diego fans are feeling right now, leading into tomorrow. We go back and we think, we, we thought maybe this could be our year, right? This could be the year for our team. But you know what they say about expectations? Expectations are just premeditated resentments. Now, Missouri fans were thrilled to be back at the dance again and make it through the first round in 13 years. It was an exciting time, and if you had listened to experts before the season began, you would have heard that they didn't even expect Missouri to be at the tournament. But in SEC play, they were very impressive. And so they made the tournament, and they made it through the first round before losing in the second round to Princeton. Well, it was not surprising to me to see some of the online comments uh, that night as they lost to Princeton online. It's pretty common among sports. Enthusiasts who hours just before that were praising this great season and this wonderful team now turned on them and forgot every good accomplishment of the season because of the disappointing loss to this number 15 seed. And so there, on a, online with expectations shattered, these cheering crowds became angry critics by the third quarter, maybe even the half, I think. It's a tough crowd. Well, today in the larger Christian community, we begin a sacred week called Holy Week. And we begin this Palm Sunday by waving our branches as Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem. And at the time of his arrival into the city, there was a lot of energy and excitement and hope in Jerusalem, and a lot of it had to do with Jesus. See, Israel had gone through years of waiting and disappointment and oppression, but they had heard of what Jesus was doing, and some of them began to think, oh, maybe, maybe this will be our year. So I want you to imagine with me what it would have been like maybe that day. And as we think about the, the children, if they, the ones who just left a few moments ago to join this donkey parade, if they were as loud as we know they can be, when they would pass by our doors out here, we might hear these muffled shouts. And curious and unaware of really what was going on, we'd get up from our seats and we'd go out to the streets and we'd hear them shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna which means in Hebrew, save us, please. Save us, please. You know, see, there was already this excitement in Jerusalem 
as they prepare for Passover, this very holy religious time. And people came in from all over to the city. So there was an energy and electricity there, but there was also a restlessness this year because they had heard about Jesus. They had seen his miracles and his healings and they'd heard his teachings and many had begun to believe that this may be him. This could be the promised Messiah. They expected someone to come in like King David and restore power and they expected the prosperity of King Solomon again. They were long overdue for a Cinderella story and they began to expect that Jesus was going to bring it. I think even the disciples got caught up in the excitement. I mean, as far as we know, we've never read anywhere else in scripture where Jesus rode a donkey. He was always walking alongside them or in a boat. And so this was different. The disciples knew that. And they also knew Israel's tradition of royalty often coming in on donkeys or mules. And Jesus had been saying for quite some time he was headed to Jerusalem, the city. And so there was this anticipation that when you're going to Jerusalem, perhaps you're going to restore Israel's good old days. So the disciples join in and they begin to think, okay, maybe this truly is happening now. And so they place their cloaks across the donkey and they walk beside their king in this procession and they begin to think, maybe this could be our year. And you find yourself getting caught up in all the excitement and the energy too. So you run over to a tree and you cut off a branch and you begin to wave it. And begin to say, Hosanna, save us, please. And you take off your cloak and you put it on the road so Jesus can walk over it, knowing that this means that you are acknowledging that this man on the donkey is royalty. He is king. And as you go, you, you realize your expectations are loud. They're louder than they've ever been have ever been before because you realize this could be it. This really could be our year. The people captive to Rome were looking for a royal liberator, a savior. And by the end of the week, Jesus will be the savior that they need, but he won't be the savior that they expect. By the end of the week, the noise is gonna change. Things aren't going the way that they had hoped. They expected victory, but everything by the week's end looks like absolute defeat. Maybe this wouldn't be our year. The crowds that were chanting, Hosanna, save us, by end's week will be shouting, crucify him. The ones who would be saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, by week's end will be saying, let his blood be on us and our children with expectations shattered, cheering crowds become angry critics. Tough crowd. The people who waved these palm branches wanted a certain kind of Messiah, a Messiah who met their expectations. Yet Jesus was not carried away by their expectations or the noise of the crowd. He was committed to his mission and his purpose. Jesus came to Jerusalem not to seize power, but to suffer. Jesus came to us not to overthrow earthly kingdoms, but to bring a new kingdom, a new way of living that included love and grace and mercy and justice and peace 
for all. The expectation from the people was a mighty show of power and force. What they got was someone who said, put your sword down. What the people expected was someone to take on power and glory and instill it for them. What they got was a suffering and humble servant who asked the same of his followers. Unlike other kings, Jesus came in peace, marked by humility. And in this upcoming week, every action of Jesus, every way he faced mocking, arrest, denial, death, will be the perfect picture of humility. So Jerusalem faced a decision, right? What will they do with a savior who shows up in ways they don't expect? What are they gonna do with a savior who's showing up not in the way they expected a a savior to come? The crowds in Jerusalem had expectations of how their freedom would come and what freedom would look like and what Jesus gave them was not it, not it. I mean, Jesus had not only not defeated Rome, Jesus ends up dying as a failed revolutionary leader. What kind of comeback is this? With expectations shattered, cheering fans become angry critics. Now, perhaps you have felt shattered expectations before. Most of us, if we're honest, at some point in our lives, have felt like we've been disappointed by Jesus, or Jesus didn't meet the expectations that we had. Things don't turn out like we expect, and we blame him. Or we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and then things don't turn out like we hoped and we're disappointed because Jesus doesn't appear to answer our prayers, even maybe hear them. The miracle doesn't happen. The one whom we love doesn't get better. The school shootings continue. The divisions between us widen. The rich get richer, the powerful get more powerful. We don't get the job, the child, the relationship, or the health that we want or feel like we deserve. On Tuesday, my friend Jason died. And I prefer how he worded it himself in his obituary. He concluded his courageous battle against pancreatic cancer when he entered into eternity and took cancer down with him. That tells you a little bit about Jason. Jason was diagnosed with cancer about 19 months ago. And he was very public about this journey with family and friends on social media, sharing all the ups and downs of the journey. And Jason indeed fought courageously. He endured aggressive chemotherapy in every treatment possible. He attended healings. He prayed. We prayed. And a couple of months ago, we all realized that Jason's healing would not come in the ways of our expectations. And so Jason demonstrated then what it means to die well. He spent time with his two daughters and his family. He taught those secret family recipes. He painted, he invited friends to come see him. He responded to messages until he could no longer do that. Jason knew that trusting God 
did not mean that he would never have unmet expectations. Trusting God meant that he could trust God even with his unmet expectations. He made this photo, his Facebook cover photo, a few weeks before his death, and in the caption were the words from Mark chapter four. Jesus said to the sea, peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was calm. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? And in one of his last Facebook posts a week, a few weeks before his death, Jason shared multiple different images of renditions of Jesus from artists. And he wrote this about the pictures. I created this album with the hope that people might see Jesus in a way I came to see him. Everyone's interpretation and journey are unique and I respect that. Just want people to know he is more than a political prop or a weapon to be used in theological debates. He is simply love and he is my comfort. My prayer, may he be that for you. When the healing didn't come as expected, he is my comfort. When my prayer isn't answered as I wanted, he is my comfort. When the world doesn't act or behave in the way that I wish it would, he is my comfort. When Jesus doesn't show up like the Messiah that we expect, he is still our comfort. So like Jerusalem, we're faced with a question. What will we do when a Messiah shows up in ways we don't expect? Author Eugene Peterson wrote this, Jesus doesn't always meet our expectations, does not always give what we ask for or what we think we need. And when he doesn't, we fill it down, we feel deflated, disappointed, or we surf to another channel on the TV, or we try out another church that will hopefully give us what we ask for. When Jesus doesn't meet our expectations as individuals, as a community of faith, as the people of God, we try to fill the deep canyon of disappointment and resentment with noise and distractions. We look for something or someone else who will give us what we want, who will tell us what we want to hear, and we pledge our allegiance to them. Perhaps a question for us to ask today is this. What expectations have we had of Jesus that Jesus didn't meet? What expectations have you had of Jesus that Jesus didn't meet? Because for some, the noise of that disappointment is so loud and so deeply rooted in us that you struggle to even hear God. God didn't answer a prayer. God did not or has not healed you or someone you love in the way that you expected or hoped for. God has failed to show up as you expected and you aren't sure what to do with that. Because it seems wrong to be angry with God, yet here you sit, right? Angry with God, disappointed with God because he didn't meet your expectations. Maybe the invitation of Holy Week for you is to 
name your unmet expectations and the feelings that go with them. And then to walk them with Jesus to the cross and set them down and allow God to resurrect a new healing in your life in place of those resentments and that anger. Because trusting God doesn't mean that we will not have unmet expectations. It means that we can trust God even when our expectations are not met. One day in the synagogue, Jesus was teaching some things and confusing people as usual. And he gave this troubling, confusing command that they will not have life unless they eat and drink of him. Now, misunderstanding Jesus, many of his followers began to leave, and it actually led to some later thinking that Christians must be cannibals. They must be man-eaters because of what Jesus taught. And so upon seeing some of his followers leave, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, are you going to leave as well? And in John, it says Peter responded this way, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, the disciples didn't stay because Jesus lived up to their expectation to never ask hard or confusing things of them. The disciples didn't stay because, stay because Jesus lived up to their expectations that he would make Israel great again and instill Israel's ways as the law of the land. They didn't stay because Jesus met every one of their expectations and the expectations of those that they love. They stay because they encounter something more satisfying than their disappointed expectations. They stay because even though he didn't always make sense, Jesus makes sense. Lord, can whom can we go to? Only you are the one who speak words of eternal life. Only you are the one who satisfies the deepest longings of my life. Only you are the one who gives peace that surpasses all understanding. Only you are the one who can take the pain and the emptiness and the brokenness and the meaningless of my life and make it something good and beautiful and purposeful. To whom would we go? Only you can take what looks like absolute defeat on a cross and turn it into forever victory three days later. Only you. So what will we do with this Messiah who shows up in ways we don't expect? Maybe we will choose to stay. Maybe we will choose to share in his humility and his suffering. May we also choose to live and make his kingdom come, not ours, to make his will done, not ours. May we continue to protest the ways in which the world is not the way in which God dreams for us and our neighbors. And may we, like Jason and the disciples and so many saints who have gone before us, may we trust that Jesus does have the final victory Lord, where else would we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Hosanna, save us please.
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Let's pray together. Good and faithful God, we confess that we are people full of expectations. Expectations of others, of ourselves, and of you. And it's not wrong to expect or believe or hope or to ask. Where we struggle, God, is clinging to our expectations rather than to you. God, forgive us for our lack of faith. Forgive us for being fickle followers who place our trust in people and politicians and empty promises of the world when you don't show up in the ways that we expect. And just like the disciples, sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we get it right. And no matter what, you are faithful. Give us courage, God, to stay with Jesus, to share in his humility and suffering, to be people of mercy and grace and generosity, kindness, justice, and love. And as we enter this holy week, we welcome Jesus into our lives as our Lord and King. Help us remain faithful when the road gets hard and the night gets dark. Help us, God, to silence the noise of our expectations so we might hear and pursue you instead. We pray this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen.